Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, the host of the show, and I'm happy that you can join and listen. If you've listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on sports, specifically the 1990 through 1993 Buffalo Bills NFL football team. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcasting apps so you can receive new episodes directly to your device when they become available. If you listen on iTunes, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get episodes of the show from our website, which is www.letmebendyourear.com. Now, you might be wondering why a lifelong fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is deciding to do a show regarding the 1990 to 1993 Buffalo Bills. And that's a great question. And one of the reasons I'm doing it is if you go back to episode two of the show, I compared Michael Jordan to LeBron James and gave my argument as to why LeBron James should be considered, if not the best player ever, at least 1A to Michael Jordan. And I outlined various reasons that uh, I believe that. Um, You can go back and listen to that episode, but the short version of, of why I think LeBron should be considered as the best player, if not right there with the best player ever, is that he's done things that are unprecedented. He's done things that no other player has ever done before at that kind of a level. So that's part of the reason why I made the argument for LeBron James. And that's really part of why I wanted to do the Buffalo Bills on the show regarding them being, in my opinion, one of the greatest NFL football teams of all time. I know some people will push back on that and say, what are you talking about? They lost. They haven't won a Super Bowl. Every time they've gone, they've lost. And in some games, they've lost pretty handily. All true. And I understand that sports is a bottom line business. And the goal is to win. But as I've gotten older, I think as a young fan, I think I bought into a lot of that hype. Um, But as an older fan and as I watch sports, I've been watching sports for basically almost 45 years now. And I've really come to appreciate the process it takes to get to a high level and to get to the end, to get to the championship round and the work that needs to be done to do that. And 
I appreciate that more. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lack of appreciation for the hard work in the process. So I wanted to start with the Buffalo Bills. I think they're a perfect example. So those who don't know the Bills very well, they are a team for the last 20 years or so that has not been very good. They've made a couple of trips to the playoffs, including last year. Uh, but for the most part, since uh, Jim Kelly retired and the great players of that era, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, have gone, uh, have retired, they have not been a very good football team. They kind of run into a lot of the, uh, the same issues that franchises that lose franchise quarterbacks run into. So you've got the Bills uh, in the same division even. You've got the Miami Dolphins who have never really achieved the heights they have achieved when Dan Marino was the quarterback. Uh, they've had, basically it's been, a struggle to find a franchise quarterback, which basically in this in today's NFL, you're either you're one of two types of teams. You're either a team with a franchise quarterback or you're a team looking for a franchise quarterback. So in the case of the Buffalo Bills, they've been looking for a franchise quarterback. So Tyrod Taylor was a quarterback last year. He is now with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, now they have a new quarterback there, Joss Allen, who has been starting. He is a rookie. And we'll see how that goes. But that's the current team. Again, I picked the 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 1990 to 1993 Bills. I actually have a special connection to this team, not because I was a fan of the Buffalo Bills, but the first Super Bowl they went to, which was for the 1999, excuse me, the 1990 season, uh, they played in the Super Bowl versus the New York Giants. Now that's a team I liked a lot. I was born in New York. I lived in New York to, until I was seven, and then moved to Tampa, Florida. So I became a football fan after I moved to Tampa. So if you listen to my episode about Leroy Selman, I kind of go into my fandom of football. When I was living in New York, could care less about football, didn't know anything about football, never watched football. Started watching football when I moved down to Tampa and became a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So if you know the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, they were not good for a long period of time. They didn't become good until, well, let's put it this way. They started in 76, Three years later, almost went to the Super Bowl, went to the playoffs a couple of years after that, and then went through a 15-year stretch where they were terrible. So that 15-year stretch was basically the entire 80s, and midway through the 90s is when Tony Dungy came. So basically, for a 15-year period, they were not good. So during the 80s, this marked the rise of the New York Giants. So Ray Perkins was the coach of the Giants in the early 80s. Bill Parcells was on the staff of the Giants. Ray Perkins was fired, or I think he left to take the job to Alabama. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, he left the team. Bill Parcells was elevated to head coach. So in the intervening years, he built the team up. They uh, acquired Lawrence Taylor, Phil Simms at quarterback, uh, Mark Bavaro at tight end. So they started to build a very good football team, culminating in uh, a Super Bowl appearance in 1990, which was actually the second Super Bowl appearance uh, for the New York Giants. Uh, they had uh, gone to the Super Bowl a couple of years before and won. So you have the Giants versus the Buffalo Bills. And this Super Bowl, which was Super Bowl 25, was very important to me for a lot of reasons. One, I lived in Tampa and the Super Bowl was played in Tampa, so that was exciting. Two, the New York Giants were in it, and me being a fam- being from New York and being the fact that the team that I was following, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, didn't whiff the playoffs in the 80s. They were terrible. I rooted for both actually the Jets and the Giants. I'll probably do another show down the road regarding some Jets-Miami Dolphins matchups because those games between Ken O'Brien's Jets and Dan Marino's Dolphins 
for some of the most exciting football games. You see offenses now lighting up the scoreboard. They were lighting up the scoreboard back in the 80s. Uh, before that was even fashionable, you would have uh, great matchups and 300-yard passing days, which I know now is passe, but back then that was huge numbers. So we'll probably talk about that on a future show. But I would root for the Jets and the Giants being both from New York. Uh, I would root for them. So the Giants were in the Super Bowl, so that gave me interest in that game. The game was held in Tampa, which I was living. And if you remember the Super Bowl that year, one of the other things that it really connected me to it was that was the year that Whitney Houston performed what I think is the greatest version of the national anthem. I know everyone that's ever heard it or at least knows about it, look it up on YouTube. To me, it is hands down the most incredible performance of the national anthem. It still blows me away every time I see it. And if you recall, that was right around, that was right at the start of the first Gulf War when we invaded Iraq uh, and get to get them out of Kuwait. So there was a lot of patriotism going on at that time. And and the anthem when she sang it with the military flyover, I think gave it added significance. Uh, but it's an incredible performance. So that was how that game started. So the Super Bowl that year was a highly contested battle. So it was a, a game that went back and forth. I remember watching the game with my younger brother and my grandmother. We were actually at my grandmother's house. Uh, a lot of times we would spend the weekends there. So, of course, the Super Bowl being on a Sunday, we spent the weekend uh, they're watching the game. So obviously the Bills coming in to the game had a very high-powered offense. So um, it was going to be, to me, in my recollection of it, a offense, a great offense versus a great defense. So usually, and especially in the 80s, I was always of the opinion that great defenses would always beat great offenses, and a lot of times that proved to be the case. Uh, but this game was back and forth, back and forth. So as you watch it, um, it was a you know very close game going into the fourth quarter. The game was still close. Uh, basically at halftime, the score was 9-7. to seven. Buffalo held a slim lead. Uh, in the third quarter, the Giants scored a touchdown to make it 17-12. to 12. And then going into the fourth quarter, it was a highly contested battle. So you had Buffalo scoring a touchdown and the New York Giants scoring a field goal. So the game came down to the wire. So as I'm watching it there, stressed out, going, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a, a, a close game all the way to the end. So the Giants took a lead and had a slim lead late in the game. They were up by one point, 20 to 19. So Buffalo has the ball. They're driving down the field trying to score the game-winning uh, either touchdown or field goal. Uh, so they got to the point where they did not score a touchdown, but they got the ball down um, down the field, mix a pass and run. Uh, they got all the way to the Giants' 29-yard line. So obviously well within field goal range. Uh, Scott Norwood was the field goal kicker for the Buffalo Bills. Very good kicker. Um, had... Uh, had a great season that year and was a very good kicker. And it's funny, another thing that makes me remember this game and something that's kind of stuck with me through my football watching today, this these many years later, it's so funny too because I'm not a superstitious person. I wasn't then, I'm not now. But I specifically remember, and I don't remember who was calling that game, but I specifically remember that they made some kind of stat where 
something to the effect, and I don't remember the exact thing, I'll probably pull up the video, was where either Scott Norwood had never missed a field goal from this distance or he had a great percentage of kicks. And, uh, you know, they were talking about that right before he was going to kick it. So they set up for the field goal. I'm sitting there actually standing up with my grandmother and, and my brother going, oh, my goodness, this is the ball game. And hearing what a great kicker he was and thinking, goodness, the Giants are going to gonna lose this one. Uh, it was a hard fall game, thinking it was going to be over. So Scott Norwood kicks the field goal. I watch it go up in the air. Like everything seems to go in slow motion. And the kick sailed to the right, and he missed it. And, uh, of course, the Giants ended up winning that game with a final score of 20-19. to 19. I was wiping the sweat off my forehead. They had won a second Super Bowl. So what I wanted to get into, not so much a game recap, that's just a quick one. What I really wanted to talk about and why I wanted to bring up the Bills is Let's start with the team that they had. So they had Jim Kelly in quarterback, Thurman Thomas at running back, Andre Reid at wide receiver, uh, and Bruce Smith on the defense. Now, my appreciation of the Bills, again, came years later. So this was the first of four consecutive Super Bowls that the Bills went to. You heard that right. If you didn't know this, and if you're not a huge football fan, this team went to four consecutive Super Bowls. I cannot understate how difficult that is. Let me give you some perspective. If you've been watching football since 2000, you know the dominant team has been the New England Patriots. New England Patriots have been to the Super Bowl eight times since the year 2000, winning five, losing three. Incredible. Considered one of the greatest teams of all time. But I will tell you, they've never gone to four consecutive Super Bowls. They haven't even gone to three consecutive Super Bowls. The New England Patriots, who's considered the greatest team right now, or dynasty, if you will, the most that they've ever gone to is two consecutive Super Bowls. And I think they've done that a couple of times. They've never gone to three, and they certainly have never gone to four. So right there in itself, that's something that I don't think will ever be done again. I can never say never, forever is a long time, but I find it hard to believe that as a team as great as the New England Patriots couldn't do it, I don't know if it's ever going to be done again. That accomplishment in itself is remarkable. And that accomplishment in itself is even more remarkable because think about this. If you listen to sports radio or watch sports movies or listen to interviews with coaches or players or read books about sports, they all say pretty much the same thing. As hard as it is to get to the championship and possibly win it, it's even harder to get back. Because you go, the first one you win, you're the hunter. You're going after whoever the big dog is. You're motivated. You want to win a championship. And after you win, as human nature wants, unfortunately, as much as people try to avoid it and coaches that have won championships talk to other coaches and other sports to try to eliminate the next year come down because it's only human nature. When you win something and you achieve that high mountain, it's not that you don't want to win another one. It's just, it's a psychological or mental thing. You maybe, maybe you don't work as hard. Not that you don't work hard, but maybe you, you take off a little bit from what you did the first year or the edge is off a little bit because you've won it. So the pressure is not there. So it is extremely difficult to win a championship, but even more difficult to come back and repeat as a champion. So imagine the Bills, what they've done. They went to four consecutive championships. So they get to the first Super Bowl, lose a heartbreaker to the Giants. And what do they do? They come back the next season and go to the Super Bowl again and play in the game again. The next season, they play the Dallas Cowboys. 
So this is the 91 season. Or excuse me, they play the uh, the Washington Redskins. My apologies. So that's the 91 season. They play the Washington Redskins, and they lose by 13. Super Bowl, second Super Bowl in a row. So they lost a heartbreaker to the Giants. They lose a little bit more to the Washington Redskins. That's got to be devastating. You go to two consecutive Super Bowls and lose both. Most teams would, they'd pack it and be like, look, you know what? It's, 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 you know, maybe it's not meant to be or whatever you would say. So not only do they come back the next season and play well, they get to the Super Bowl a third consecutive time, third time in a row. They go up against the Dallas Cowboys. So this is the 92 season. This is Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Jimmy Johnson coach, Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you recall the Cowboys, when Jerry Jones bought the team in 89, he fired legendary coach Tom Landry, brought in Jimmy Johnson from the University of Miami. They draft Troy Aikman out of UCLA and have a terrible first season. They go 1-15, and and people are like, what is going on there? Because the Dallas Cowboys had a tradition of excellence. The next season, they get better, and they get better quick. Season three, they're in the Super Bowl. So Dallas takes it to them. It's a 52-17 to 17 blowout. They destroy the Bills. So now you're looking at a third consecutive Super Bowl loss. This one a blowout. At that point, how many teams do you think would fold? I think the majority of teams would have been like, all right, we're done. We can't, we're not, you know, whatever the psychological or physical toll that takes, that, that's almost impossible to imagine. So what do the Bills do? Do they have a terrible season the next year? Do they go away from relevance no they get to a fourth consecutive super bowl the 93 season and who are they playing for the second time the dallas cowboys the defending super bowl champion so you have a super bowl rematch how often do you get super bowl rematches now it doesn't even happen it never happens you get a super bowl rematch cowboys versus buffalo and buffalo wins that game 30 to 13 so you have a team that has gone to four consecutive Super Bowls. They've climbed that mountain four consecutive years. First year, they lose a nail-biter and then two blowouts and then a game that's borderline blowout. And I think that's the part that people focus on. And I think even as a young fan, I focused on that as well. I would be like, you know, you use all the derogatory terms for teams that do that. And the biggest one is always chokers. And you immediately diminish the accomplishment. And I think I did that as well as a young fan that didn't think about it intellectually. You diminish them as, you know, they're chokers. They can't win the big one. All the all the negative cliches that you bring out when stuff like this happens. And yet, maybe all of that is true. Maybe they felt the pressure of trying to win a game. But I'm sorry. Going to the Super Bowl four consecutive years is un believably impressive and the more time that i get removed away from this happening the more impressed i am with the buffalo bills and what a great team that was and what a great coach marv levy was to be able to motivate players year after year after year to reach the highest level and then rally them after crushing defeats time after time after time that's some great coaching right there that's some hall of fame level coaching and he of course Uh, The late Marv Levy did go into the Hall of Fame. That's some Hall of Fame level coaching. So, again, super impressive uh, run by the the Bills. And the thing that's very sad about it is had they won that first Super Bowl that I watched, the one that I was rooting for the New York Giants, had Scott Norwood made that field goal, and this is not even to blame Scott Norwood, if Scott, Scott Norwood hits that kick, 
the entire perception of two things changes. First, the Bills. The Bills become talked about as one of the greatest teams of all time if they would have had that one Super Bowl. Now, I still think there would have been detractors because I think even the people that like to detract would say, oh, well, they only won one of four. But I think that one would have made all the difference in the world. When you hear discussions about dynasties, and I know dynasty people use that word means you have to win multiple championships. I think had the Buffalo Bills won one of those four Super Bowls, I think they would have been the exception to the rule on what people consider dynasties. And I think they would have been in that conversation because they would have had the one championship to go with that incredible run of four consecutive Super Bowls. So you have the Minnesota Vikings of the 70s that went to four Super Bowls, but they weren't consecutive. Uh, still impressive as well. And maybe we'll get into another show where we talk about the Vikings team, uh, quarterback by Fran Tarkington. But the Buffalo Bills' consecutive runs is incredible. And I think had they won that Super Bowl, specifically that one with the Giants, since that was the one they were had the best chance of winning and actually uh, could have won right at the end, it would have changed to perception. The other perception that changed that day was of Bill Parcells. Now, I think Bill Parcells happens to be, in my opinion, in the top three of all time of coaches. I know people put Belichick up there with the Patriots, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, and, and I understand that. He's got the rings. But, again, my philosophy on who I value as the greatest of one certain sport or coach is when you do things that are unprecedented. I think that elevates you to the top. And the thing that Bill Parcells was able to do, he was able to, he took two different teams to a Super Bowl. Now, the only coaches to do that, and I looked it up the other day, I know one was Don Shula with the Colts and the Dolphins, and there was, I think, another coach that did it as well. There's 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 a short list of coaches, and Bill Parcells is on it. He took not only two different teams to a Super Bowl, he was one game away from taking three different teams to a Super Bowl. He almost got the Jets there. He got the Jets with Vinny Testaverde, a quarterback, to the AFC Championship game and almost took the Jets to the Super Bowl. So he took the Giants, the Patriots, and almost took the Jets to the Super Bowl. That's unprecedented. Taking two different teams to the Super Bowl is is un, almost unprecedented. Had he taken three, I would have made him, in my opinion, had he gotten the Jets to the Super Bowl, he would have been my number one greatest coach of all time, even ahead of Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick is outstanding. I think he's a great coach, but he's done it with one team and one quarterback. Bill Parcells has done it with multiple quarterbacks. And the Super Bowl that they beat the Buffalo Bills in was with a backup quarterback, Jeff Hostetler, after Phil Simms was injured. And Phil Simms, who won the first Super Bowl with Parcells a couple of years previously. So had the Bills won that game, the legend of Parcells, I think, is not maybe, it's definitely, if not diminished, it's delayed because he would only have the one Super Bowl and not two. So that, that, that game turned a lot of careers and legacies around. Parcells for the better, the Bills, I think, for the worse in that they were not respected as a team. So, again, four consecutive Super Bowls, they lost them all, doesn't matter to me. And I can say that because, one, I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan, so I don't have that emotional tie to it. I can look at it dispassionately and and – come back to it and revisit this with a fresh set of eyes as an older person because I think I was, like I said, one of those dumb fans when I was in my 20s going, chokers, they can't win the big one. I would never think of them as one of the greatest teams ever. That's ridiculous. First of all, Jim Kelly is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Thurman Thomas is one of the best running backs ever. Bruce Smith was one of the greatest, fiercest defensive players ever. Those are some great, great football teams, and I was fortunate to be able to watch a team dominate a conference and reach the Super Bowl 
four consecutive years in a row. Again, that accomplishment should never be diminished. And it is a shame. It is a real shame that they were not able to win one Super Bowl because, again, I think that would have cemented them as one of the greatest teams of all time and also accorded them the respect that they deserve. I know Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer, and I know he's battling cancer now, uh, and I know those teams are considered great, but I think there's always going to be that that mark against them because they weren't able to win the big game, and that's unfortunate because I think, again, as I said, when you do things that are unprecedented, that have not been done before, and in my opinion will not be done again in my lifetime, that should accord you the respect of being considered one of the greatest teams to ever play the game. Hope you enjoyed that discussion of the 1990-1993 Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go ahead and play a promo for a podcast called The Dude Files. Uh, You have two guys from Australia that run this particular podcast, Uh, so take a listen to the promo. What happens when an Australian and a Belgian man each receive a mythical filing cabinet containing top secret files about the strange, mysterious and spooky world around us? What do they do? They make the dude files. Each week, Alex and Andy bring you topics about the unknown, bizarre and creepy like this. You wake up right. at nighttime and you hear just mm-hmm. ominous chanting. It's like, oh, that's sort of fucking creepy. You go up to your window with your wine and cheese. (laughs) Midnight snack. (laughs) And uh, you look down and there is carts and carts and carts of fucking decomposing bodies. Limbs strewn everywhere. Bones. Oh, yeah. And some of this. I would watch a Mothman prophecy show where his neighbor just peeks his head over. He's like, oh, you're murdering teens over there? Drinking their blood? That's good to know. Bet I give you some iron. Iron is good for the blood. Like this. Henry. Yeah? Did you push the V-shape formation button again? For fuck's sake, we were flying silently and nobody was going to spot us. We've been flying silently in a V-shape formation oh, like for the last fucking... Minds. I'm Chris Angel, you know? In my spare time, I come down to Earth and I'm <laughs> Chris Angel. I mind freak people. That's what I do, baby. So I try to... I'll, I'll make this a Chris Angel stunt. Damn it, Henry. How do we... Where we was, always do this. Where was Chris Angel when this happened? Was he mind freaking people? What was this, 78? How old was he? Uh, 97. Uh, he was... If you're going to start this, then I'm going to need a beer. <laughs> Find The Dude Files on all major podcast apps by searching The Dude Files or at www.brohoney.com. Hope you enjoyed that promo. And as I listen to it myself, I stand corrected. That is an Australian and a Belgian not two Australians, so my apologies for that. And of course, if I don't mention this, it'll drive me insane. Once you listen to the show, you'll hear me say that the Buffalo Bills won that last Super Bowl they were in. Of course, they lost that last Super Bowl they were in. Otherwise, that would have undermined this entire podcast. So just to let you guys know, I caught what I said there in the middle of the podcast. So again, of course, they did not win that fourth Super Bowl. They actually lost it. I also want to, again, as I did in the last episode, uh, thank the people that have downloaded the show. Uh, The last three episodes, episode 10, 11, and 12, uh, I'm getting consistent download numbers. Uh, Like I said, I'm not going to give the numbers per se because it doesn't uh, really matter 
as we've just started. Um, the numbers hopefully will grow, and I'm very happy with the numbers that I have now. Uh, I actually uh, got a tweet from a podcast today earlier on that they were touting that they were very, very happy about getting 100 followers. So I immediately tweeted them and congratulated them, and I congratulated them sincerely because I know a lot of people think 100 followers is not a lot, but as I stated in episode 12, I appreciate every follower that I have on Twitter, and I appreciate every person that has downloaded the podcast. So no matter what that number is, obviously we all want to get great numbers, but uh, if you continue, like I said, to do the show that you love to do, uh, the numbers will come. And like I said, the last three episodes, I've had this about the same amount of downloads. So at least I'm doing something consistently. So hopefully I can keep that baseline and then continue to grow it, uh, hopefully with subsequent episodes. So again, I want to thank everyone that's either followed me on Twitter, retweeted my tweets, responded to my tweets, all of that stuff, all of those things in tandem help to grow the show. And that's really what I want to do. So I want to thank everyone because uh, I can't do it without you guys. So I really appreciate uh, any interaction or anything that you've done to help the show out. So again, you can find this show on any one of the following podcasting apps, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. Uh, the show also has a YouTube channel that's Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. So again, as I've stated before, I'm going to pop on on there from time to time uh, to talk about the three topics of the show, which is movie, sports, and politics. The audio podcast has one topic per episode. The videos on the YouTube channel will do quick hits on all three topics. So one in sports, one in politics, one in movies. And uh, I hope to get on there more frequently. And uh, I'm going to try to make a promise to at least keep those videos at five minutes and under. So if you do subscribe to the channel and engage in the videos, I'm going to try to make them short. I'm not going to try to make you sit there and watch a 10-minute video or a 15-minute video. Uh, hopefully, they'll be five minutes or less. So that'll encourage you maybe to go on there and take a look at the videos when they're available. So I appreciate that. Or uh, at least subscribe to the channel. If you don't watch it occasionally, I do want to build the subscribers there as well. You can follow the show on Twitter. That's at Ben Your Ear Pod. That's also the Instagram handle, Ben Your Ear Pod. If you have any questions, suggestions, uh, things you want to talk to me about directly, uh, you can do it at the email. That is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And again, I'm going to ask before I close the show out, please rate and review the show. If you listen to it on especially iTunes, rating and reviewing is the way that the show gets a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts to listen to. As I look on Twitter, uh, people are always looking for podcast recommendations. So the more ratings and reviews this show can get on iTunes, the easier it'll be for people to find us. So if you're a fan of the show and you want other people to listen, that's really the easiest way you can help help the show out. So I would appreciate if you do that. And I made the suggestion in the last show. I'll just throw it out there again. What I do for other podcasts that I listen to, I have an Android phone. I don't have iTunes on my phone, obviously, but what I do is I'll listen to the show on my Android, but then I will go to my iTunes account that I do have on my laptop, and then I'll review the show there to help that show out. So if you could do that for me, if you don't have iTunes on your phone and you have it on your laptop, if you could just jump on there real quick. Like I said, when I do that for other shows, it literally takes me less than five minutes. It's really quick, and like I said, it's an easy way you can make a tremendous impact on helping the show. Uh, get a bigger listener base. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Um, if you listen to the show and like what you hear, uh, please tell a friend. So if you don't share it on social media per se, uh, if you have just like a Facebook account or uh, 
wherever you do your social media or, or, or talk to other people, you know, share a link to the show, share the website. If you could do that, that'd be great. That's another good way to help me. If you don't want to rate and review, uh, just tell a friend about the podcast. There's, there's a lot of people that are looking for things to listen to and things to occupy their time for me. And I listen to podcasts myself. It's, it's nice to, I guess I'm one of those people that likes to have that noise in their ear while they're doing a task that they don't want to do, whether it's lawn work or work around the house. Um, I find the work is a lot easier when I have a podcast to listen to. So there's a lot of people that are in that same boat that are looking for that something to have in their ear while they're doing some kind of work or exercising or whatever. So uh, please, if you can, if you like the show, if you like what you've listened to, please just tell a friend about it, have them try it out. Uh, That would greatly help me and I would appreciate it. And again, I want to thank all the listeners. I want to thank anyone that's downloaded the show. I want to thank anyone that's engaged with me on social media. So I hope everybody has a great week and we will talk to you soon. Take care. 